1: And when I started running, I, I did not stopping. And when I got the chance to go I said I'd stay going, so
2: I opened up. We're only the small little fish out there, so we are, and we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford
1: today. Because like I, I'm heart, I'm heartbroken. <laughs> it's uh, now over four minutes gone three points between them so and up to Pat O'Connor to determine how much time is left there's still a few more seconds Galway need to win this ball Greg Kennedy comes out for it there's the final whistle. and Tipperary are the Guinness
2: All-Ireland winning champions for 2001
0: so, great scenes, uh, Brian, at the final whistle of this one. Nicky English was on the ground hugging the players, and they were all on top of him. And John Lahey, who, who was out with a cruciate, um, was out on the pitch hugging lads, and he looked totally emotional, um, as they say. Because let's be honest, Tip were under pressure here. Like they hadn't won a Munster title since '93 and an All Ireland since '91. So, 10 years. And, you know, a lot of other teams like Limerick and Clare all doing well in, in, in Munster, and the great Tip not
2: doing well. Yeah, it was hard to believe it was 10 years. And, you know, apart from the, the 97 appearance, that hadn't been featuring a huge amount, really. And, you know, you mentioned Limerick and Clare and Munster and obviously Wexford and Offaly and Kilkenny were always there, thereabouts as well. So was, I suppose it was tough for them looking at that. And Cork came out nowhere in 99 and one day on Ireland as well. So, you know, Tipperary hurling folk wouldn't have been overly happy, but they got there in the end. Uh, but really, I suppose. Um, they did just about enough, you know, obviously they, they still scored enough to win the, to win the All-Ireland two eighteen, not a bad score, but really Galway would be kicking themselves after that first half, kind of poor shooting that that really kind of shot them in the foot as, as the game went on. And, you know, they were very kind of dominant in a huge amount of positions, you know, and Tip, Tip didn't dominate this game from start to finish, but they still kept Galway at arm's length. It was kind of weird from that perspective.
0: It was, yeah, and it was a good game. We'll talk about the Galway Wides in uh, in part two because, Jesus Christ, the first half was outrageous, some of their shooting. But it was funny looking at the two managers on the sideline considering two weeks ago we did the 1987 final and now Nicky English and uh, Noel Lane are on the sideline. Do you know what I mean? It always seems to just kind of... The same cycle repeats itself. It repeats them. And do you know the funny thing? Jamie Callinan was out on the pitch in two thousand and one at half time doing the mini game. So look this is just <laughs> yeah. one big
2: just one big cycle that keeps rolling on and rolling on <laughs> and now and every young lad dreaming that they'll be that guy eventually as well. Yeah. No it is. It's it's, it's mad and like you Nolan know, had done a good job of that goal with you know, and uh, like it looked like they'd done like beating Kilkenny in that Allianz me final like that was a, a huge win because you know Kilkenny we're turning up, they were all Ireland champions and looked like to all intents and purposes that we're going to um, destroy Galway. But I think the one moment out of that game was Richie Murray, who was just out of minor, you know, he driving it into to Brian McEvoy just in, just before the throw in. And, um, you know, it kind of set the stall that the Galway weren't going to be bullied by Kilkenny like they usually were. Right. And Galway all over the field kind of just manned up and were very, very physical against Kilkenny in that honor Semi final. So that kind of, you know, that would have brought them huge hope going into that Ireland. Whereas Tipperary, even though they'd won Monster, you know, they were cruising against Wexford the first day, then Larry O came on Larry O'Garman came on for Wexford and pulled them out of the fire and um you know then they, they, they did after the sending off of Brian O'Mara, um, along, you know, with the altercation with Liam Dunn, very harsh, uh, I may add. But uh, you know, Tipperary took control after that and and won that be finally easily enough against Wexford in the end. Whereas, you know, um Brian O'Mara you know, was out missing for that final. He missed the final, it's yeah. It's amazing, you know, and then you obviously have John Lahey being injured. He'd he he he'd done his crucial in, in the first round of Munster, so, you know, Tipperary were short a couple, but uh, you know, as I said, they, they just seemed to do enough on the day and, and keep Galway at arm's length. Well, Brian O'Mara obviously
0: missed the final and they were talking about it, injunctions and things like this, and he did decide it against it, but he'd never been sent off in his life before that. And he can't even remember ever getting the yellow card. And then he marks, and then he marks Liam Dunn and he gets <laughs> he gets sent <laughs> off. And uh, like, I mean, it's, it's funny really, because I was reading about this and he had broken his ribs playing football in the lead up to that game. And he told Nicky about it and he was like, you know, this is obviously the semi-final um, replay. It was played in the rain, Um in Croker and uh, he had broken ribs and he said he never would have gotten into that and match with Liam he the, the and Liam was doing was really it was really hurting him so <laughs> to, just, to protect himself and he missed the finals so like I mean that is yeah. was, Eugene, Eugene O'Neill replaced him um, in
2: corner forward and did the, the jiggle things around yeah it did and obviously you know Lara, Lara went out into the wing um, Lara himself has always questioned whether he would have been starting in that final um, you know right. if Brian O'Mara had been available but look that's just one man's misfortune another man's man's fortune so you know in Ferris fairness particularly in that second half he scored a couple of great scores but um, you know Brian O'Mara was a loss because he was he was a big player for, for Tipperary down through the years and, and as you said he he always came across as a gentleman never m- never messing never pulling dirty or anything like that and it was a very unfortunate kind of sending off because self and done, obviously you know they were giving each other hands at the hurl and and that, but like, probably today, yeah, you know, people wouldn't bat an eyelid after being sent off. But back then, like, you know, it was very, very harsh sending off. And, you know, Wexford tried, tried to help get him off for the final, but um, unfortunately, he, you know, he he missed that big day. And, you know, for him personally, it was probably one of the real harsh calls or ra- harsh decisions you've seen down through the years for like, against the player to miss out on such a big day. But, you know, amazingly, Marco Leary was the man then that stood up and got a couple of goals the first one in in particular was a brilliant goal the first one was an absolutely brilliant goal and
0: a brilliant move long ball by Tommy Don who loved um giving it in to Declan Ryan Declan Ryan caught it and it was jesus like i mean he probably would have scored if he put it a foot further into the goals but he it was fairly uh He was fairly brave to... Now, maybe he was just sticking at that side. It was just went inside. It was unsavable, basically. But whatever about that, we'll talk about that maybe in part two. But his second goal was the most bizarre goal I've ever seen. It was almost like the... the, It was almost like Crimmins, the Galway goalkeeper, jumped out of the way of it. Yeah,
2: I'd say he has nightmares over that one. What was he trying to do? Yeah, and it was a collection of errors just before that as well because, you know, Oli Canning was in there and there was a couple more in there trying to rise the ball. And then... Greg Kennedy seen a kind of bounce and move towards it instead of holding his position and guarding kind of the, the square. And he went towards the ball and then it just got kicked or booted on past yeah. him. And, you know, Mark Leary just was coming in, in the right kind of direction um, with all the momentum and just flicked it on. And Crimmins, as you said, like he must have nightmares about that because he really should have smothered that ball and got down low and protected it or you know, done whatever it needed to be done in that situation, but he done nothing. You know, he just kind of went to flick it real nonchalantly out to the side and, and yeah. got a touch on it. And O'Leary just, you know, it was a real kind of goal out of nothing, really. You know, it was, uh, it was, it was a weird goal, as you said, you know. Yeah, no, it definitely was. Fergal Healy scored a brilliant goal. Fergal Healy's
0: goal and Marco Leary's uh, two, Marco Leary's first goal and Fergal Healy's goal were two incredible scores. Fergal Healy was having a nightmare, Sir Le Farrell said in the commentary Galway needs something special and then Virgil Healy out of nowhere sticks this um,
2: Jesus how did he score from that angle? Yeah look brilliant goal and he showed savage pace you know drove in along the line yeah but he's so fast you're going to get away with it you know he was lightning and He'd no choice shooting off his left, coming in on that side, you know, Kimmel, coming in along that, that line. He had nowhere to put it. He, he was aiming at a postage stamp and put it straight over Cummins's head, and nothing Cummins could do about it. Um, brilliant, brilliant goal. Like nowadays, it might be stopped because of helmets or whatever, but Cummins was brave enough to put his own head in front of it. It was just, it actually wasn't so, and there was nowhere else the ball could go, but uh, a, a, a brilliant goal, you know. Mark O'Leary's one. You know, as as you said, he he got it just inside the post. And it was amazing, actually, because of the way he struck the ball. Because he kind of struck it, you know, into himself. Whereas if if he'd thrown the ball out further and maybe got a strike in it, the trajectory of the ball going across the keeper might allow the keeper to get a hurdle. in it. So um, it's amazing how how it kind of works out, too. He just, the the way he struck that ball kind of allowed that the, the keeper couldn't get to it. It was a brilliant shot.
0: Yeah. So is it, this was obviously at the time there was no pitch invasions again. So the cup was presented out in the middle of the field, which again, you know, I just can't get over that. Yeah, I think this lasted maybe two years, and then it, they they got rid of it.
2: Yeah, it was a bit of a disaster. There was a couple. Of, there was a couple of years they were doing that. Like uh, if memory serves me right, ninety nine when Cork won. Yeah, I remember here. the, the ninety nine football. Graham Garrett yeah. definitely put in the but middle was, of the field. obviously Kenny and obviously tipped then in 2001. And what was weird about 2001 was that it was over towards the Cusick um, stand side. Um, you know, and it was it was looking up into the Cusic stand, and it was a bit weird, had a bit of a platform and and stuff like that. And, you know, even it was weird seeing the, the managers kind of patrolling the line on the Cusick stand, and the, and the field had changed its, um, you know, and had lined up alongside the Cusick stand, whereas we were talking a couple of years ago, where about 97, where there was the big gap. Um, so you know it had changed and there was very little room between the pitch and the actual where the dugouts were so um, yeah like that presenting the the cup in the middle of the pitch um, that was a real disaster altogether you know I don't know it was just a real kind of surreal kind of feeling to that
0: yeah no I I think it was but we might as well get the thoughts of Tipperary captain that day Tommy Don because he joined us on the line now Tommy we're talking about you lifting the cup out in the pitch Um, was that strange? Uh.
1: No, but didn't really. No, I don't. like listen. When you, I think about that, those lifting the cup all the time. But I, it never crosses my mind that I that I lifted it on the pitch rather than on the stand. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, so it certainly doesn't. It's not something that ever bothers me, to be honest with you, Colin. Like in a, in an ideal world, you'd like you'd like to be going up into the walking the steps to the Hogan stand as 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 almost every other captain did in history, but. Uh, at that particular time, it just wasn't possible. You know what I mean. So, but as I say, when I when 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 the match crosses my mind and the moment crosses my mind every now and then, and and it does regularly, uh, it, it never it never crosses my mind that I didn't lift it up in the Hogan Stand. To be honest.
0: Right, right, okay. Because I was thinking, like, I mean, obviously from Tipperary, if you're dreaming about captaining, you're thinking of looking across the sea of you know blue and yellow. You probably did that in the Munster final mm. in Perlis anyway. So it's not like you don't have that memory.
1: Ah, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, like I, I, I do remember, there was nearly more controversy at the time uh, about people not being allowed onto the pitch than there was about the uh, not being able to to get the the cop up in the stand. Like there was a there was a lot of there was a lot of talk um, in G, in the GA world at the time about the fact that you know Croke Park were were coming down heavily on on the spectators in encroaching onto the pitch. And that, that that didn't fit well with a lot of GA supporters in particular, you know? Yeah. And that's, they, they were the early years of it. Now it's pretty much commonplace and accepted. But in those years, um, like, for example, in 1997, when care beat us, uh, you know, you remember the influx of, of care people onto the pitch. That was only a few short years beforehand. But by the time... I think 2000, 2001 came around, The you know, spectators onto the pitch was, was was a different ball game altogether, you know. So that was, I remember that much all right. And I remember an aunt and an uncle of mine probably coming close to assaulting a poor security man to try and get onto the field uh, after the match along with other family members. So you, you know, all that kind of stuff going on, all right.
0: Right, right. Yeah. And I suppose you could do a lap of honour, which was a completely new thing back then
1: as well. It was, yeah, it was, and uh, I I remember that. I remember that. That's a nice memory. Actually taking the cup around with all the tip supporters still up on on Hill sixteen. So that's that is a special memory, definitely. You know what I mean? Very very special. You know, once in a lifetime stuff. So that was that was wonderful, yeah. And and uh, the noise. The the one thing about playing in big games, as as you'll know yourselves, is the noise is just immense. You know what I mean? And that's that's one feature I think that will never. That I'll never forget, uh, and particularly about that day as well. But even after the match, when you think people would have calmed down a bit, when, when the cup went down in front of Hill 16, where our supporters were, the noise was just immense, you know. So it's very, very special, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, what do you, what's your memories of the game? I thought it was a great game um, to watch back on. It was a, a really good standard outside of Galway shooting, which left a lot to be desired, but there was a good flow to it. Like, I mean, you kept pulling away, but Galway wouldn't let you win it easily.
1: Yes, no, that's, I think that's a good, I think that's a fair fair, uh, fair little summary of it in fairness. Yeah, we, like Galway came into the match after beating Kilkenny in the semi-final, so they came in in, in real good form. We came in after beating Wexford in a replay yeah. Um and so like there was probably no real standout favorites for the game. I think both both teams were were fairly evenly matched and like uh, neither of us had won had won it in a, in a good while, you know what I mean? So um so the teams were it was pretty much a 50-50 game before, beforehand, but we we probably led. I think we led the game pretty much all the way through. Uh, had a good, had a good enough first half, and I remember Mark O'Leary scoring a cracker of a goal, uh, kind of midway through the first half. So we had a good, we were playing okay, and more kind of we were more or less dictating the the trend of the game early on. But we were never we were never out of touch obviously. And there was a, there was a stiff enough breeze blowing that day as well, which we had to our advantage in the first half. You know what I mean? So, and I remember. I remember at half time, like Garway like we had maybe four or five points of a lead going through the first half coming in coming up towards half time and then Garway Garway got a good seven or eight minute sport where they where they closed the gap again right on half time. So Garway Garway going in at half time, Garway were in were in a good enough position playing playing with the wind. So I remember we you know, we'd we a few we'd a few stern words at half time just to just to kind of really understand that, that we needed to knuckle down a bit more in fairness, You know what I mean? So, um, so some of the standout things from the game that I remember, I remember Declan being very influential at uh, at full forward, right? He was a great target man for big, a yeah. big, strong, powerful man. And well, you, you, like you, you definitely, did,
0: sorry, sorry to cut you off, you definitely noticed that because you gave most of your, the balls you got into him because lads were wor- working off him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well yeah, and in those days like the style of play was a lot different than it than it is now. Like it was very much it was very much a direct style of play. So we were we were lucky we were lucky we had someone like him really because like Owen Kelly Owen Kelly was playing that day. I think he started did he start wing or corner? I think he started corner. Started in the corner, yeah. I uh, uh, Yeah, you, you, you yeah, exactly, yeah. And Eugene Eugene O'Neill started in the other corner. So um, like the, the two lads in the corners it, 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 it was a bit like Mick Galloway with his two arms around Peter Stringer and Ronan O'Garris <laughs> if I remember that captain, you know what I mean like, like it was a big big target man with two handier five fellas in the corners but um, and Deacon, De I remember Deccan being very influential and we got a lot of joy that day out of, of being direct uh, high, both high ball and low ball and in fairness to Owen and Eugene they were well able to win their own ball as well, but he was uh, like Mark O'Leary got a great goal, I think, off Declan off Declan's pass. You know what I mean? So yeah. that was that was a tactic that was good for us on the day. Absolutely no question.
0: Dude, you you got you got them off to a great start with a, a brilliant point under the Cusick stand because I was thinking you settled very well because I I can only imagine the pressure you were under. Like Tip hadn't won one since ninety one, and you'd gone through years of watching Claire. You know, kind of dominating monster, and like I mean, I'm sure you must have felt an awful lot of pressure in the lead up to the to that final. Yeah,
1: we did well. Yeah, we did. We, well, we knew we knew it was very important for this team, and like uh, we we very much in like this was an era where the traditional teams were were struggling for a foothold, if you like. So you had like Wexford were were champions in '96, awfully were. We were chanting uh, in 98. Okay, Cork won it in 99. Uh, was it Kilkenny won it in 2000? Yeah, but, like, Kilkenny weren't dominating anything like they were uh, later on in the decade, if you know what I mean. Offaly were very, very, Offaly were very strong. Uh, Wexford were very strong. Limerick, incredibly strong. Um Clare, obviously still very strong. We we like we only beat Chair in the first round in two thousand and one by single point in a knockout game down in Porky Creek. So um Waterford like we bet Waterford in Munster final in two thousand. So like we, like we weren't uh you know, the tips to the Kilkenny's and corks, like we weren't we weren't getting it all our own way. Like it the, was very, very even around those times. So um so there was pressure there was pressure from that point of view. Tip and won a senior all out since 1991, um, and as well as that, this was Nikki's. Nikki was manager with Jack Bergen and Ken Hogan. Yeah. Uh, this was their third year in charge, so there was a bit of pressure on from that point of view as well. Um, but the team had the team was fairly well established, so it was it was time to make a move for that team. You know, what I mean, like I was I was 27. I was 27 that year. Ryan O'Mara, 28. You know what I mean? So we were we were getting to the stage where it was time, it was, if we were going to win it, it kind of really had to be, it really had to be at, at that time. And yeah. uh, So we definitely, we definitely, we definitely understood that. And, but I do remember we, like there was a lot of maturity in the team, a good bit of experience. And we were fairly, we were fairly composed going out onto the pitch. We understood what was going on. And, it did. that match went on I'd say I'd say it could have been four or five minutes on the clock before the first score happened you know what I mean so it was a bit of a game of cat and mouse and loads and loads of people still still bring up that, that first score under the Cusack stand which is which is really nice and um, even Nicky actually I think the match was on telly there recently so Nicky must have been watching it and he said he still remembers that. he said he couldn't see couldn't see it when I hit the ball because the thumb was in his eyes but he heard the sound off the hurley and he knew he knew <laughs> it was, I was very close when I hit it he said he knew by the sound off the hurley it was good so um, it was a great start and, and really really gave me enormous belief and confidence for the rest of the day to be honest
0: Right, right. I was thinking like this 2001 team was almost your third kind of team with Tipperary, even though you were 27, like you said, because you came on t- to the end in 93, onto the end of that great tip team. Then 97, it had changed a bit. And this 2001 team was dr- yeah. dramatically changed then again, even from 97.
1: That's right. Yeah, well, absolutely. That's, that's a really, a really important uh point because like nikki nikki became manager in in 99 uh, um waterford had knocked us out of the championship in 1998 knockouts first round knockouts were gone so there was a uh, that was Lynn second year and and there was a change then at that stage and nikki came in and really really revitalized and refreshed and almost reset the way tip prepared i think in terms of preparation that we just went to another level we started to get to know much more about gym preparation much more about general conditioning real real hard work over the winter like we you know for the 99 championship like we were in we were in unbelievable shape and i, I firmly believe that the 2000 and the 2001 success came on the back of of the work the team had done through 99 and 2000 you know what i mean we both our physical work, or our, our mental and psychological work, and just the experience that we gain. So a lot of a lot of the guys that played in two thousand and one, for example, Paul Ormond, Philip Maher, David Kennedy, Paul Kelly, um, John Carroll. Um, like the Eugene O'Neill, Eugene kind of came through, came through the underage system, all right. But a few, a few others didn't. That Mickey just kind of plucked them. Right. Um, uh, and saw some Larry Corbett, a, a, a very young player at the time. And um, Owen Kelly was 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 very well known, anyway, but still quite young. So you're right; the team was a completely near enough a completely new team from from 1997. You know, I mean, we lost. You know, a lot of a lot of great players had come to their natural end between 1997 and 2000. The more and you think of Nick, uh, Michael Ryan, Mick Ryan, Colin Bonner, Cornell Bonner, Declan Kerr. All those all those kind of players that had extensive, extend, Michael Cleary, extensive experience and success with tips. So it was it was effectively a new team, you know, My, myself and Brian O'Mara and Declan. And like Declan won his third all-Ireland that day in over three different decades, you know what I mean? Which, in, which is often forgotten, but an incredibly oh, yeah. incredible achievement. And, uh, like he won... 89-91 uh, in 2001 so that was that's a huge that's a huge achievement uh, to be honest with you so yeah. so it was a new enough team but it was a nice sprinkling of fellas that had been there a few years as well you know I think probably Lara and Owen
0: Kelly were the little bit of magic dust in 2001 though I think Owen play, had played a game in 2000 a qualifier game but like that was their first season the two of them yeah. And like I mean, we know the players they became. So you know, like I mean, it's that's no right, secret yeah. that that year coincided with you winning the league and all Ireland double. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No. I. I. That's. That's true. Um. Like Owen and and Larry gave us a new dimension up front you know what I mean like they were like they had pace they had scoring ability they they were a bit unorthodox and um, and they did give us they just did give us another dimension that that we needed you know what I mean and it, it fitted nicely because the team the team outside of that was fairly well established you know what I mean uh, and were were fit, you know, had been through the of both good and bad days, and kind of understood what what needed. So the lads came in with little or no experience, and they just they just blended in lovely. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you didn't think in 2001 it would be 2008 before Tip would uh, win another Munster even.
1: Yeah. Well, no, you don't. Of course, you don't think like that. But uh, but at the same time, you don't think, you know, you don't. Ever take it for granted? Like I've, like I've lost four monster finals, Colin. You know, what I'm, sorry, five, probably five monster finals. So I, I could write a book on losing monster finals for you, if you like. You know what I mean? So I'd never, I would in in monster and leinster is the same now. Um, that you just and it, in those days it was the, the first round was knockout. You know what I mean? So you could not yeah you could be you know it was just it was just chaos you know what I mean if you were any bit off colour at all on the first day you'd be gone whether you were All-Ireland champions or not do you know what I mean for a year um, but you're right like 2001 to 2008 was an incredibly long time to wait to even be in a Munster final you know
0: yeah no it definitely was Come here. here's a question I want to ask you before I let you go, because you're obviously into coaching now, and we're looking back over all these All Ireland's. And it strikes me like the, the ground hurling obviously has gone out of the game. And, like, I mean, you can see why, because it can be very risky. But then I was talking last week to Cyril Farrell about like, is there not a place in the modern game for ground hurling, maybe in the half-forward line, where, you know, if you give it in fast, it's not as risky, you know? You, you mightn't be giving it... And you see cornerbacks back in the in the day doing it and it could go straight to a half-forward and it's over the bar, you know, which seems <laughs> mad. But, no, would there not be a place sometimes for half-forwards just to, to keep it moving on in? I
1: I wish I could say that there, there is or there was or um, and maybe uh, who am I to say I, I just give you my opinion I, I don't yeah. know like the game now the game now as I see it from, from where I look at it now and, and the way the game is and you know the strength of your own team and obviously the strength of your opposition and the game now is all about possession you know what I mean it, it's, it's all about possession and what you do with possession so the the less risks you have to take in possession, the better off you're likely to be. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. ground hurling by its nature is risky. You know what I mean because you're 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 not maybe not as pinpoint as you would be with the ball in your hand. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Now, if you were to ask if you were to ask any inside forward, uh, oh like what way do you what way do you want the ball probably are very close to the top of the list they say i just want it quick i just give me a quick ball i yeah. don't mind what way it comes but i just want it quick and, and and in the older days that was fine but in the older days you didn't have you didn't have a screening player, you didn't have a sweeper all all the most. You know what I mean? You had you had lots there was lots of matches where you'll find there was a ton of space. There could have been forty yards between the full back and the center back and nobody in there. So any sort of a quick ball into that space for for an inside forward was, was heaven. Whereas now, all generally speaking all those spaces are filled most of the time so i mean you have to you have to be precise about where you're putting the ball when you're attacking that's the way i would see it now and therefore therefore the, the ground hurling part of it is is you know very much almost disappeared you could say now there's still you know you'd still it's still lovely to see first time hurling first time striking there's nothing as good as it like, you, there's no, you've no idea where the ball is going to end up. No, if you double on a couple of, and you might, you might have, you might have your inside forward after making a diagonal run thirty yards with the hope of getting it, and the ball has gone into the space. He's just, he's just left. You know what I mean? So, um, so look, the game has changed in some ways, and then in other ways it hasn't changed at all. I suppose you could say.
0: Yeah, no, it definitely is. It's uh, no, that makes sense because you're giving diagonal balls in now to beat the sweeper and things like that. They're all going on the on the far on the outside of the forward, aren't they? Rather than you know along the yeah. ground. Yeah,
1: like yeah. Well, I think that's one of the biggest changes I've noticed is that like like. So I made a career in midfield out of hitting balls out of my hand. I, I wasn't looking half the time where they went. You know what I mean? I knew that I could get them in or around where they should be, but now, but now it's. I think it's. It's a good bit more. You have to be a little bit more precise in where where you want to put them because. Teams are just defending a lot better and defending with, with in a more tactical manner. You know, do you know what I mean? So I yeah, think you, yeah. you, you know if you keep if you keep putting the ball in into the wrong place, then then you're going to get hurt, and you're going to get hurt badly off counter-attacks, Actually, you know that's where a lot of damage is done. The teams that actually win the ball deep in their own defence are so good at bringing it back out quickly that you know they can hurt you straight off that ball. You know. Right.
0: Come here, another one before I let you go is a nice little one. I saw Liam Sheedy saying that Shamie Callanan was out on the field in the two thousand and one all Ireland and final playing the mini the mini game uh, um, at half time. So that's a oh, good one. It, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Wow. Wow, that's that, that's brilliant. Yeah. Like you know, like that's 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 a
1: great story actually. Yeah, it's a great story and it just you know, that's that's really where it's at, isn't it? So you know I mean those the children of today are the superstars of tomorrow like, you know what I mean and it's, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't take that long for it to happen it's a lovely story I didn't realise that
0: yeah it's not a cliche for no reason come here Tommy
1: thanks very much for taking the call no, I appreciate no. It. No. thanks for calling uh, Colin thanks for the opportunity to talk That so. It don't get to do with that often you
2: can't touch this a few weeks later, they played Kilkenny below in Nolan Park. The same year, this. and I'd have been hockey. But the camera My, went with the door. there was a fellow warming up. So
1: oh, Jesus, you should see him.
2: <laughs> yeah, the fuck, he was massive. <laughs> Legs, ass, belt. But so I bust out laughing watching <laughs> the, <laughs> the <laughs> There he was, the epitome of what I said. I told you, homeboy, you can't touch this.
1: Yeah, that's how
0: we living and you know Can't touch this Look at my eyes OK, so Tipperary 218, Galway 215 and I suppose the first tactical kind of move was by Galway to put Joe Rabbit into corner forward and he put him in on Orman, so they obviously thought they, they would be able to get a little bit of change out of that Alan Cairns
2: came out into the wing, uh, Brian Yeah, and like Paul Armand, you know, did shade it eventually you know what I mean, yeah um, he was very physical and always was very physical and, you know, played on the line and well above it at times. You know, I, I, I only marked him a couple times but I hated every second of it and uh, probably was summed him up and he'd been delighted with this. Richie Murray won a free solo and true and, uh, uh, you know, the, the player was the whistle had stopped, or had blown, and all the play had stopped. But he came and he met Richie Murray with shoulder and sickened him. And um, you know, Richie Murray was down getting a tr- getting treatment because he didn't expect it at all. But no, it was actually fa-
0: after it was after
2: a fa- after the referee blew his whistle. He got him late, didn't he? Yo, he got him very. That's what I'm saying. Like that stand yeah. up, Paul Orman He look, he made no excuse for that. That's the type of player he was. And um, but he he'd have been delighted with it. But uh, do you know, he got away with it completely. Didn't get a yellow card. And you know, the amount of times the camera shows. Eugene and get a the night with him, Joe Rabbit getting a the night with him, you know, like he yeah. was pulling and dragging and, and driving lads queer like, but <laughs> kind of, he kind of got away with it as I said to a point because he, you know, he didn't get yellow carded and then Joe Rabbit got pulled for steps a couple of times which I thought were extremely harsh, you know what I mean? Um, and he was really starting to frustrate him as as the match wore on but, you know, Alan Curns then going out in the wing, like he really troubled uh, Paul Kelly. Uh, and it was just poor shooting from, from Alan that, that stopped him from really kind of making hay because he had a couple of really simple chances in that first half in particular ah jeez um, he had it was desperate altogether his two misses yeah. and he actually missed he missed the
0: goal too it was a poor enough effort straight at uh, Brennan yeah the Clunan got well. yeah, got, um, got it from but like I mean we'll talk about the Galway Wides in a second but I just thought there was a, a contrast between Joe Rabbit and Declan Ryan right two big men experienced men And, you know, Joe Rabbit just not throwing it around the same way Declan Ryan was able to throw it around. He winning a good bit of ball, but sometimes, you know, trying to take too much out of it or getting getting swallowed up. Whereas Declan Ryan was just kind of knew he was there as a target man, was never doing anything too fancy and was just throwing it off, getting other lads into the game.
2: Yeah, totally, obviously, different uh, mindset. Like the, there still would have been a few years between him. Like, you know, Joe Rabbit was still 31, still would have fancied himself that he was offering a lot more than just being a target man. But, right. uh, you know, it, it didn't kind of work out for him on the day. As I said, I just think it was harsh enough. He got a point in the first half, there's, he got maybe one free for, for being, you know, tackled uh, and, and being held up. Um, but there was a couple of other occasions I thought where he he, he could have he could have bought freeze only for free. he was such a big man, he probably didn't didn't win them. Um, but you're, but you're right, like Declan Ryan maximised every possession he got. You know, yeah. he, he got a good score. Well, barred the goal miss, obviously he went for big time. Um he to put your house on him getting that? Wouldn't you? you? You would definitely. You know, especially off the left. But he just he he hit it so fast. He, you know, he did the right thing, hitting it fast and, and not carrying the ball. But. Obviously, he ne- he nearly killed the the poor uh, the, the poor uh, sl- slitter, the young lad that was collecting the slitters behind the goal, um, and the umpire were diving out of the way as well. But uh, he would, as you said, he would have put your house in it. But you know, he probably knew his role a little bit better. You know, he, he usually had Larry Carbis and Unkelly either side of him, so he would have been you know winning ball you know, these boys would have been buzzing around him and, he, and they'd been, you know, offloading to them. So that's probably the, the role he was playing all season. Whereas Joe Rabbit obviously was more used to playing on the half hour line, catching ball, you know, catching puck outs and, and scoring where, you know, it was a total different role in the, in the All-Ireland. So I right, no, right. wouldn't be o- overly critical from that perspective. I just think, you know, Paul Armand's physicality uh, and the way the match referee won out on the day. Right, right. So Alan Cairns had that first miss, right, and then
0: Clunan had a terrible miss. Both of them disputed the the thought they were points. They obviously weren't, but it showed a little bit of desperation that they both kind of, you know, out of out of hope maybe, or maybe they thought they were points. Um, Hodgins had a bad wide um Richie Murray had a wide on the run in front of the goals Fergal Healy had a had a bad wide then Alan Kearns had his second wide where he cut back in on his left straight in front of the goals and missed it Derek Hardyman had a had a had a had a miss from play where he nearly got up to the 45 and put it wide Richie Murray had another wide from about the 45 this was incredible and I, I there's no there's no way of explaining this outside of maybe nerves on the big day because it didn't stop in the second half Even Kevin Broderick had a bad wide. Fergal Healy hit the post twice for two really, really easy, easy scores. And like, I mean, it just didn't seem to didn't seem to end for Galloway the whole game. Like, I mean, Tipperary were always ahead in this game, but there was it was a complete
2: 50-50 based on the balance of play. Oh, 100 percent. Like, Galloway should have been leading Particularly in the first time, and and you just referenced Fergal Healy's two ones. I've never seen like it. He hit the right post and yeah. then he hit the left post. You know, talk about your luck not being in, and he still got one two. Uh, his man was taken off, he he he, he couldn't have done much more in terms of corner forward, but you know, still he could have come off the field there at one four, one five easily. Um, maybe maybe allow him a, a one wide, but um, there were easy just, ones. Just the it, ones, the ones the he ones there were were easy ones. ones. You know, Yeah, like I I suppose the very first one from Alan Curran's kind of nearly set the scene. You know, you're 23, four yards out, almost straight in front of the goal. You just tap it over the bar and, you know, he had a poor miss. And as you said, then beautiful sidestep, you know, completely sold him, brought it back on the left. You'd be expecting to hit it, you know, all day long. But sometimes I find, Wooly that you're better off actually hitting that ball on the run. Uh, Even though you've sold him with with the sidestep, hitting the ball from a standing position, you don't actually do it that often in hurling. Um, and can be a little bit harder to, to score those ones. It, it right, do you be tend to off. pull those ones? Yeah, you do. You tend to pull them. So, like, I, I know I've often done it myself, you know, and you just go to yourself, oh, yeah, come on, now, next time, move your feet, get on the run, one, two, yeah, you don't have to go running five, six yards, just get on your feet and hit the ball on the front foot, which you're used to doing, right. you know, automatically. Um. So, yeah, that's definitely one where he he maybe should have just moved his feet a little bit. Um you know, like, still still, you go back to it, as, as I said, by Paul Ormond, I still thought the Galway forwards were shading nearly all their positions. You know, um, you know, Paul Kelly, I've never, ever seen him as poor Terry as Pike, I did yeah. in, in that yeah. game. You know, he threw it up in crowds, he, he tapped the ball out over the sideline where he'd miscontrolled it and, you know uh, Kevin Broderick gave him a run around and then you know Alan Kearns was was winning possession off him and should have had points off him as well and just thought you know uh, he, he was very poor David Kendi and himself and Mark Kearns didn't really do much for long stages but then Mark Curns pipped him for a couple of points Aaron yeah. Corcoran was under serious pressure with Kevin Broderick Philip Marr you know, he probably was keeping Clunin reasonably quiet. Yeah, you know, I, can't think I, got, I think
0: I think Philip Mar got the better of Clunin over the over the whole game,
2: probably over the course of the game. Yeah, look, still Clunin got him for one-one in the first half, but they didn't get a huge amount of ball between them. But still, probably Philly Mar came out with a couple of that you know big moments maybe in the, in the second half. But you know, he didn't. We we can't say he wiped them out either. You know, and Thomas Costello, as I said, was was still under pressure from Fergal Healy. So still, you're looking at five out of six positions Galway are winning. And and still, they don't win that out.
0: Yeah, but whose fault is that? Like, I mean, you can't even use... Like, they had 20 scoring chances to tip 13. Like, I mean, Tip had some lovely, classy scores. Tommy Dunn had two. His first one was a classic. John Carroll had a lovely solo point where he caught a puck out and stuck it over. Owen Kelly caught a puck out and stuck it over. They were just so much more efficient. Um, Like, I mean, that's not to say... You know, like, I mean, scoring is a skill too there's no point in breaking even and putting them wide you know kind no. of Tipperary were just even though the balance of play was 50-50 Tipperary were a better team because they were
2: able to score and God we weren't yeah look Cody always says you know the the, the best team always wins that Ireland because the best team scores the most you know it doesn't matter about possession or or how it maybe looked um, or felt that one team was dominating another you still have to score the most you know and Tipperary you used to done that and you know, we're able to do it more efficiently, as you said, and you, you've referenced all those scores. And even go back to Larry Corbett's two points, the very first one, just thrown out to him. Very, yeah. I mean, he was buzzing around, but he wasn't having a huge influence on the game. First chance straight in front of the goal, bang, point. You know, he was under pressure striking that as well. And then the second one was an awful mistake by David Tierney. Yeah. You know, all the time in the world, got caught in possession, tried to, you know, uh, without taking it in the hand, play it off the hurdle, rise it and strike it, and got got caught. Doing that, and you know, Lar snipes it off and makes a mess of the rise up, and, and has enough. You know, obviously, so fast has enough time to get to get the ball. You know, up the second time, and you know, gets a good score. But you know, when as you said, when you see the Tipperary forwards, while not hurling or, or dominating their positions, they were all scoring and they were making sure they were scoring. And I, I, I think you hit the nail on the head with Tommy. Dunn great leadership. You know, Galway had started better, and next minute gets a worldly of a point out on the Cusick stand side out in the sideline off his left hand side and then it's another great score from play off his right inside side and hits the sixty fives. Actually speaking of sixty fives, he was good at robbing you know, a foot or two. Even the very last one he hit there late in the game, he was a good yard forward. We're used to seeing that maybe in the in the eighties, early nineties, but that had nearly gone out of the game. Um, completely, even by two thousand and one, that you you might borrow that yard, but um, you know now obviously they really enforce that rule, that it has to be behind the sixty-five.
0: Right, right. I didn't notice them doing that. Now I wasn't looking out for that um, at all. One thing I was I was wondering. I know I know I mentioned John Carroll scored that great uh, catch from a puck out. But I noticed John Carroll at centre forward, a lot of a lot of puck outs went to him and he generally wasn't trying to catch it. He was just trying to uh, to double on, with, on it with the hurl. Would that have been a tactic to just double it on into Declan Ryan and have lads running off him?
2: Yeah, definitely. It would have been, you Did know... Did you notice Carroll doing that? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, and that would have... Like, look, he's usually very strong in the air, but that would have been a tactic for maybe the likes of Lark Corbett. Um, and Marco Leary, or even the two corner forwards, breaking onto onto that ball. Do you know what I mean? Like that—that's yeah. what we were talking about: overhead pulling and ground hurling. It's about turning that the half back line back towards their own goal and not allowing them to be that platform or that wall um, that that the half back line want to be. Whereas you know Tipperary obviously felt today a lot of lot of speed, a lot of runners, and and with getting quick ball inside would have been a, a good tactic. You know, Lara out there, Mark literally breaking onto that ball, Owen Kelly buzzing around. Owen Kelly, I was having a right bat with Ollie Canning. You know, Canning was, was I thought, was, was brilliant. You know, Kelly got a brilliant score, but it needed to be a brilliant score to, to get one off, off um, yeah. Ollie Canning.
0: Yeah, no, okay. Oh, well, I thought O'Kelly played well, though. He's only 19. Like, I mean, he mm. got that point from play. He put one on a plate for Lara. It was him that threw
2: that one out. And yeah.
0: he, put one on, he put one on a plate for, I think, one of the subs that came on. His name is escaping me oh, here.
2: Paddy O'Brien, yeah. Paddy O'Brien, yeah. yeah He's the current physio at yeah
0: threw one out to him as well. So, like, I mean, he was influential on the, and scored six points from freeze, You know, for a nineteen-year-old, uh, for a like, young man, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's it's, 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 I tell you, he he was he was a skinnier sort of fella. He must have did a lot of work on his legs because we know how stocky and and you know well built he was towards the end. He didn't. His legs didn't look anywhere like that in that final, did they? Ah, uh,
2: his legs were always massive. That's like that's maybe dead. yeah. Maybe you're right with the with the weights or whatever over the years. Yeah, but like. One, one never struck me as one that was a huge man for squatting now or, uh, or deadlifting but uh, he'd massive like it actually to tell you a story I remember watching him and Tony Forrestal under 14 and we played them um, so under 14 it would be 1996 it was the year down in Waterford we played them and uh, I just remember seeing him in the final. We played them in, in the group stage, but he they got to the final against Kenny and we went to see it. And I remember seeing him accepting the cup and he's just, his calves were huge and he had big hairy legs for a 13, 14-year-old. <laughs> and everyone, like, everyone was in awe of this chap. It was like, who is that guy? Everyone was like, watch out for him. His legs were massive. His calves were massive. And like, needless to say, he obviously went on to be unbelievable for Tip there, particularly during the mid-noughties when Tip actually were at their, at their lowest ebb. Um, yeah, his legs were always huge. So, yeah, look, 19, it's 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 a tough ask, you know, because he was after being in there uh in 2000 and, and he was still still minor. And Nicky English sprung him as a number 16 in the All-Ireland quarter final. Yeah, um, I was reading and that. You know, he had yeah. he, 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 the, the two, two jerseys up, you know, and, and then he obviously came on out the field and got his point first touch of the ball. So that just shows you the talent that Owen Kelly was. Ah, uh, yeah. He was one of uh, one, one of the all-time greats. The, um, what about Broderick's disallowed
0: goal? Oh, we'll, we'll, wait, we'll wait for that for a second. So when Healy gets that goal, Galway are only a point down. It's 2.13 to 2.12, and there's 10 minutes to go, and you would imagine the momentum is with them then. But from the ne- very next puck out, Mark O'Leary won one of the softest frees I've ever seen. Now there's two in it then Mark Leary scores a wonder point from out under the Cusick stand now there's three and, and for me that was game over at that stage then I couldn't see Galloway trying to claw you know
2: another goal back yeah I thought, look being honest if I was a Galloway fan I wouldn't have been happy with Pat Connor that day I don't think he rode him but I just don't think I think Tipperary got a couple of frees handier I think as I said Tacho Rabbit was harshly done by a couple of times where he was being really physically Manhandled, but he was done for over Carrigan. And, uh, you know, the, the, there was a couple of, of of times that, you know, I just thought Tipperary got the rub of the green. I think that Mark O'Leary one is one you're talking about as well. Even the very last week, even though John Carroll got, eventually got the point um, on the second attempt, just didn't know where the free in was, being honest. Um, so was, uh, I just thought Pat Connor was, you know, you could hear the crowd starting to get, get at him and get annoyed with him, particularly in that second half. And as you said, we're moving on to that, Kevin Broderick disallowed free like God I thought that was very harsh I don't think again I don't think you'd seen that given now in fairness to Pat Connor, he was right beside it he was three or four yards away as far as he had seen that, that David Kennedy was, was dragged yeah. down but I, I thought David Kennedy knew what he was at and, and he knew he was under pressure and kind of maybe half stumbled in the tackle and made sure he went down what, yeah, was, Bro- I, was I, Broderick going to score a goal from there though? I don't know because the players beside him Philly Mars stopped Philly Mar stopped yeah you yeah. know, and look, Cummins was trying to make sure he didn't score. He was kind of in that kind of frame anyway. Even though the whistle was gone and going to stop you, and and then you know it's kind of a, a weird one. I, I don't know. I don't think that goal would have come anyway.
0: I think you're right. But I think Kennedy wasn't getting the Broderick. He might have even... Yes. It was a, yeah. it was a yeah. soft enough foul, but Kennedy wasn't making that. Broderick had nipped in ahead of him anyway. Yeah, so exactly. it, was un- yeah. it was unfair to give that free. Now, obviously, Philip Marr completely stopped and Broderick just ran on challenge that yeah. goal. So there's no way of ever knowing that. But Cummins made a brilliant save from Broderick. Just when you think about Broderick, he could have had it 1-6 He had yeah. a de He had a terrible wide... Um, on the day we'll talk about his performance in performance the
2: weekend but Cummins came out very very quickly to make that save in fairness to him he i have forgotten how big a save that was Yeah, such a, such a moment three points in it you know, a couple, you know three or four minutes left and a brilliant save because you know come out and smothered it's like you know it's a stark contrast to what, what Crimmins did at the other end you know he came out was very brave there was much Broderick could do but just try and get his strike off as quick as he can because Paul Orman was making up the ground um, so you know, project did the right thing. He'd probably still be annoyed about it because when you're in those situations as a forward and you know that yourself, well, you, you you still you're more annoyed that you missed. Um, no matter what way uh, a back defends it or a goalie defends it, you're still annoyed that you didn't score it. So, but still, it was brilliant comments. And then when it you know the ball popped up in the air and Broderick tries to swing it in one hand and hits it wide, you know, look, obviously he was trying to do something audacious, but. Maybe he could have left it because Clunan was coming in on the follow-up. You never know what could have happened. So it's just look. Sometimes when your luck is out, it's just out.
0: Yeah, I think all will look look back on that and say, Jesus, that would talk about one that got away. You know, like I mean, I suppose, yeah. but like definitely over the over the course. Although when you look at it, Declan Ryan it was a bit wasteful in the second half. He missed that goal and he missed another couple of easy point chances as well. So like you know, over over the over the course of the game, I thought it was a very 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 fifty fifty game. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, Tipperary were more efficient and they won the game. I wanted to talk about Nicky English because that was actually his third year in in as tip manager. And the first two years he hadn't won anything. Well, he had won a league. He'd won nothing in the in the championship. And he was trying to build a team, like I was mentioning with Tommy Don, It was Tommy Dunn's third team because Tommy Dunn came in '93 you know, and that great team. Yeah. Then 97 was another team because Tommy Dunn won an under 21 in 95 and, you know, some there would have been a turnover to 97 and then in 2001 it was practically a completely different team. Some of the minors from 96 on it, then Lar and Owen Kelly but like Tommy was saying, pulled other lads kind of out of nowhere.
2: Hmm. Yeah, like, you know, you're talking about Thomas Costello there and probably Paul Orman, the likes of those really coming out of nowhere. Um, and yeah, look, like Nicky was 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 clever. He he, the players were were very fond of him and and very you know complimentary towards the way he he, he managed the side. They trained hard, obviously, and they did a lot of skills work, and they seemed to enjoy the hurling. But he knew when to to down tools as well, and and the boys maybe went off and and maybe had a bonding session or that. So you know, he he united them, which is probably. It's, it's not too bad probably in the in in the way current um, set-ups are at the moment they're so used to being together but you know back then that was a big thing trying to get the likes of Tipperary to make sure that they're united and all pull the one way so Nicky certainly did that and look essentially in the likes of Tipperary there was massive pressure on um, to try and win that at Ireland because they, they certainly were good enough but you know he, he done it and he, he backed their players because you know Lar Corbett like Owen Kelly probably speaks himself, but you know, getting the performance out of Larry like that, you know, Mark O'Leary with two one in the final, you know, he certainly did allow players to express themselves and and you know get the best out of him. He he just the strong midfield then as well. Though, you know, Tommy Dunn obviously was excellent, but at the end, right, hurled a lot of ball. It was a bit wasteful actually with, with yeah. the ball, but, but played well. You no, know, but played well. Yeah, like their their midfield definitely dominated from that perspective. You know, yeah. But, he, yeah. but look, Nicky was. Not afraid to make changes either, you know, because you know, let let's bear in mind that we're down Brian Omar for I learned. as you said, John Latty gone for the whole year. But, you know, Paul Kelly wasn't hurling well as good as he was, you know, he was whipped. Do you know what I mean? Like he he was just gone, Thomas Costello under pressure, gone. Do you know? So uh Nicky wasn't afraid to make changes, you know. I seen Ken Hogan there as a selector there on the sideline as well. So um they, they made changes when they needed to be and, and you look know, they they did enough, they'll be they're immortalized now in Tipperary. Exactly.
0: And 2001 obviously won the league that year too. So they did a full clean yep. sweep um, of everything that they could have won and didn't win another Munster until 2008. Mad that they went seven years then. Uh, you would have thought with the age profile of that team that they'd be around a while.
2: Yeah, that seems to be a big problem for, for Tipperary, doesn't it? Do you know, like yeah. it, was, it was 2010, as you as you said, that they, they didn't come back and win, win the um, All-Ireland again. And even that team, with that age profile, you expected them to really dominate. Swear, under yeah. under twenty one, I learned. six days later, and you thought taper here, and they're gonna dominate. But who stopped them on both occasions? The 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 cats, the black and amber cats. So, you know, in two thousand and two,
1: you know that that brilliant about.
2: game. Um, I learned to be final wasn't that the game where Jimmy Coogan scored the goal where DJ set it up to, to beat Tipperary oh yeah. he's right they were beaten in the Munster final by Waterford though surprised so yeah. that's year weren't they that's right yeah but the all ireland semi final right. real tight tense game DJ moment of ma- magic looked like he was going to shoot but then saw Jimmy Coogan and a brilliant finish and you know that was the the difference that day when Kilkenny, you know stopped him you know and that kind of that Tipperary team then kind of broke apart I suppose some of the older players started to drift away and uh, you know it took, it took them a while but I suppose it was the emergence of Waterford as you said in that Munster final um, and, and that Cork team re-energised themselves after their strike and yeah really Nicky took, took finished up then I suppose yeah. as well which was a big thing when they all you know
0: rated him so highly right we'll, we'll come back in um, we'll do performance of the weekend
1: I'd never be allowed to go off in air to hit a shite like him, and you know a slab or whatever. Like I was always doing a bit. I, all I remember, is I thought I was going to get clobbered on the way in there. I threw the ball up in there. I dunno, it was pure luck, no inference, pure luck. I had both fucking bullshit. as you see yourselves?
0: OK, so performance of the weekend. I'm going to start off with Mark O'Leary. Like, I mean, when you look at it, 2-1 in an all around final. Um, and vitally, he won that free. Soft and all as it was, he still won it. Um, and that put two in it. And his point came then to put three in it at a really important time in the game. And his two goals, you know, stretched Tipperary's lead out. So you're going to have to make a very good case, <laughs> to me, for anybody else to get, uh, based on two goals and a point, out of two eighty, you know, like I mean, yeah, it was a brilliant performance. Even though, for being honest, he like he gave a great ball in to I think it was Declan Ryan in the first half. The man wasn't in the game all that much. It's not like this fellow was like Tommy Dunn, for example, who was orchestrating things and was on the ball a lot. He he scored two one and won that free and didn't do a
2: hell of a lot more outside of that. Why do you need to do any more outside <laughs> of it? I think that's a brilliant summary of actually performance. <laughs> being honest, no, you're right because. He didn't curl the world of balls, but 2-1, what more of a return do you want than a big day? And wasn't a man for scoring a lot of goals. Um, and the first one was top drawer. You know, geez, he must actually think of that regularly. And <laughs> think what a cracker that was. Um, the second one should have been stopped, but still, he was there at the right time, right place. And as I said, sometimes you, you need a bit of luck and a bit of faith going your way. Uh, and his point from play was brilliant. Yeah, so out, out on the sideline on the 21, big score you know considering we're, we've talked at length about the, the Galway misses you know that, that was a, a man that was obviously confidence was up and, and nailed that one so no I agree with you I think he's, his performance was massive absolutely maximised every single ball he got and as you said what more do you want on the big day
0: exactly so Tommy Dunn got five points in total two from playing the first half when they were needed and three sixty-five. And to be fair you you say he robbed a few yards he never looks like he was going to miss any of those 65 when Tommy Dunn had the ball I'd say Tipperary fans could just kind of relax and kind of know that right something good is going to be done here there's no need to panic
2: no beautiful striker the ball you know um, particularly obviously and he's right brilliant uh, free taker and you know, showed great leadership, as they said. You know, a couple of great scores in that first half. When Galway, as you said, were doing all the hurling, but Tipperary were doing the scoring. And uh, what matters? And uh, I think him and him in particular hurled a huge amount of ball in in, in middle of the field. Big performance, real captain's performance. You know, as as, as he obviously was one of the older. Uh, hurlers on the field that day from a tipperary perspective yeah. but really stood up when they needed them, and, and a brilliant performance yeah not that old you know like only 27 you know he'd still, Jeez, still uh, yeah.
0: that's uh, yeah. amazing he too yeah you think, he, you think he's older yeah he'd been around so long you would have think he, think he's older but like I mean just a, a real Rolls-Royce of a player the way he carried himself on the field you know and the way he when he was on the ball like even so, some of the ball he. I was saying to him there when I was talking to him he's always looking for Declan Ryan and like but that that's just smart. Like Declan Ryan is just going to throw it around to the younger lads, you know, so it made sense for him to do that, but he was always looking for him, no matter whether it was high or low, he was looking for Declan Ryan and sure. He obviously just trusted Declan Ryan, who, who probably warrants a mention in this as well, definitely based off his first half performance.
2: Yeah, definitely. And what I like about Tommy is look brilliant striker, very, very rarely hit a bad ball in. You know, it, yeah. like what I mean by that was he was putting snow on it. Like, even if he was given a a high ball, it was a good trajectory ball. You know, that suited the likes of Declan Ryan coming out in front, or yeah. or the inside line coming in front. So he was beautiful. Bit, so he was a bit before his time at that, wasn't he? Yeah, he just was so, so intelligent, I suppose. Um, and and as I said, a, a delightful striker too, and and generally. Uh, try to strike the ball on the front foot. You know, whereas probably a lot of hurlers back then and even into the mid-naughties still struck the ball on the back foot, you know, uh, whereas he he probably changed that dynamic a little bit and um, very, very intelligent said and real selfless type of hurler, but um, brilliant. Look, look again, we, we talk about dream days, captain, captain your team to win that Ireland, man the match, uh, five points, big, big, big performance, you know, so uh, Tommy Dunn, you know that's definitely a day I'm sure he looks back on really really fondly you know yeah exactly
0: so Kevin Broderick there's really big three here there's three nominations if I'm being honest like Liam Hodgins was very good as well but wasn't on the other level Philip Marathot had an excellent second half you know you could make you could make uh, a case for one or two other fellas who played well but I don't think anybody played on the left. Anybody is in the mix outside of Tommy Don, Kevin Broderick and Mark O'Leary. And, and Broderick was just like, I mean, he had three different lads marking him. He had Corcoran, he had Kelly, and then another sub, Lee, uh, right, yeah. Lee, Lee Hall-Ryan came on him. And none of them could t- could tie him up. But it's impossible to tie Broderick up because he's he was so fast and he was like a light on to breaking ball. And think. Like, uh, you'd imagine when you're marking someone, like it's hard to mark them. Breaking ball can land anywhere. It's just Broderick seemed to be on it so fast that it's hard to man mark a lad
2: who d- before he actually gets on the ball, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and, and I sort of described him as a little rabbit buzzing around the place, you know, so he, he was right. I thought, in fairness to Broderick, he worked his way into the game really well at the start. Yeah. Uh, went deep, won ball and delivered it. You know, Eamon Corcoran didn't follow him, sat in the pocket, um, probably felt that, you know, he's not doing any damage if he's out the field that far. But what it allowed Brodie to do was to work his way into the game, get on ball, build up his confidence, and then come late, you know, come with with with, uh, with runs from deep and, you know, that way he was able to lose no matter who his marker was. And, you know, just then got himself into that kind of unstoppable force. You know, sniped a couple of points in the first half, but, you know, his easiest chance, as you said, was the one he missed. Yeah. Uh, Probably rushed the shot a little bit and again struck the ball inside himself. He stopped as well, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he stopped as well, whereas if he'd carried it, there's no way he'd have been caught, you know. So, um, tried to strike fast so he wasn't blocked down or hooked from behind. Um, and you know rushed it a little bit again probably one you'd be giving out about and you know as you said c- could have got that goal can't say should have uh, I know as, in, as a forward you'll always feel you should have but uh, yeah. well, in the other I, uh, I put that down more as a save than a miss you know?
0: the, the only thing the only thing like you said when you're in a position like that and you're giving out to yourself and like any goalkeeper that rushes out to you the thing to do is try and go around him but like I mean these things happen so fast that yeah. it's just how like only the likes of the Gooch Cooper and like the, the re, like maybe Joe Canning and Hurling might have the presence of mind at that moment to take a step to the sea, you know what I mean, or yeah. yeah. That That's what separates them from the very top players, that they can process the goalie rushing out at them in a second and do the right thing, maybe put it under him or whatever. Broderick kind of put it straight, you know, kind of at, at him at a
2: decent height. And that, look, I, I think you're right. I, I think he did, he did kind of the right thing. You know, he struck, he struck it early, he tried to, to, Force Cummins to, to move and Cummins did dive at him but sometimes as I say and, and I mean this you need a bit of luck I've been in that position hundreds of times and it doesn't matter how much experience you have you might score 90% of them but there'll always be the occasions you miss it and you're just left kicking yourself afterwards you know why didn't I think it low why didn't I move those two yards so I just think you know it was just unfortunate from a Goddard perspective and obviously for Kevin Brodge but to go back to the, the major point I think his performance was excellent and you know, if Gallagher had won that game, he definitely was getting man of the match. Let's put it that way. Uh, Paddy Kelly got from was winged back in '93, and he got he got man of the match when Kilkenny still won the All I'm sure they had a serious debate that night uh, to whether uh, Kevin Broderick or or Tommy Dunn or Mark O'Leary actually who deserved it. You know.
0: Yeah. So Tommy Dunn ended up getting it on the Sunday game that night. Is that right? That's my re- that's my recollection of it anyway. Right. Okay. So like, I mean, it's very, very difficult choice here. Uh, You know, I probably should have made it before we started talking here um, on air. Like, I mean, if we're being honest, like it's going to go from the winning team because like Broderick played very well. He also missed 1-1. It's going to come from the winning team, which it always is. So it's between Dunn and Mark O'Leary. And I think Tommy Dunn was flawless right throughout the game and was constantly on the ball. Um,
2: and I, I'm going to disagree with you because I'm going to say so that we're not accused of always putting the brand <laughs> as, as, as our interviewers and Mark Leary scoring 2-1 uh, on big occasions. Tommy Dunn has the official piece of crystal. We'll give him the, the woolly one. <laughs> OK, we'll give it to Mark O'Leary. Right.
0: Listen, when, you look at it, when you look at it, this is how fickle I am with this. I can change my mind like the weather. But I quite like being consistent about giving it to the person who you end up calling. But anyway, <laughs> to be honest, uh, no, Steve, we'll give Tommy Don and Mark O'Leary a joint award here.
2: I really sitting at the fence.
0: Well, to be honest, when you look at Mark O'Leary, listen, Tommy Dunn is the standout player for me right throughout the game. Mark, Tip wouldn't have won it without Mark O'Leary. Like it, it's impossible without his... Um, you know, big scores. The two goals were big scores, but his point and the free were just as important at a really important time. So, it would be it would be unfair to leave him out. Can we sit in defence on this one? We'll we'll that one. <laughs> right, listen. That's always time for. We'll be back next week and we'll review another all final. finals. So, we'll talk to you then. Good luck. <laughs>
1: And when I started running, I, suppose I didn't stop, and when I got the chance to go I said I'd stay going,
2: so I opened up. We're only the small little fish out there, so we are, and we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. I love this county so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I, I'm heart, I'm heartbroken. <laughs>